Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have an amazing show lined up for you. Our guest today is Amy Cronus and Dwayne Dixon, both with Deloitte different departments, but both experts at Deloitte Consulting and Deloitte LLP. But first, before we bring them on, let me tell you about the latest issue of Shale Magazine. The cover is featuring Brad Barron, CEO of Newstar. He is an amazing CEO running a somewhat untraditional company. If I would have to say, how would I classify Newstar? Dynamic and very, very, very unconventional. It's a story that you don't want to miss. Go ahead and sign up for free to get your digital issue at shale that's s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com again that's s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com and with that you can sign up for their newsletters events that they're throwing in your area and also learn more on how to grow your business and take advantage of all their advertising opportunities also like to invite you to join me in Houston on February 20th at the lovely, beautiful Foga de Chow on Westheimer in Houston, Texas. For more information, please go to shellmag.com. Get your tickets now. This will be a sold out event. And I'd like to ask you to join the fastest growing advocacy group in Texas. If you support oil and gas, if you work in oil and gas, if you don't work in oil and gas, but you want to sell to oil and gas, this organization is a great organization for you to join. It's free. For more information, go to txenergyadvocates.org. And now it's time to bring on the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. It sure is. We got a lot of things going on. We just finished, of course, listening to the State of the Union. Also, President Trump was unimpeached, if you will. And so I wanted to ask you some questions about President Trump. He delivered a State of the Union speech in Congress. When he talked about energy, he was focused on America's new energy dominance in oil and gas. But my question is, has his policies it really helped move the energy industry in the right direction? And if so, kind of pinpoint specifically some really good areas. Yeah, uh, well, they have. And, you know, we've, we've talked about that in Shale Magazine and on the program from time to time. Uh, there, there's no doubt that public policy makes a big difference um, where the oil and gas industry is concerned. The administration's um, policies uh, towards streamlining regulatory processes right you know one one specific instance of that just happened in january where they finalized the the revised regulation on waters of the united states which was this gigantic power grab from the obama years right to to you know have the epa regulating your swimming pools and your draining drainage ditches and everything else um so they, you know, they scaled that back and and, and made it, you know, rationalized it, and made it make sense for for not just the oil business, but but you know everybody else in any other project, including roads and highway improvements. 
uh, any project that, that turns earth in America, frankly. So that was a big deal. Uh, you know, they've streamlined the process for, for permitting uh, all these new LNG export facilities that are being built along the Texas Gulf Coast and have already been built. They've, they've you know, streamlined the process for the Army Corps of Engineers to get in there and, and dredge the Corpus Christi ship channel, right. which is ongoing now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and all these things make a big difference. Pipeline approvals on interstate pipelines have been greatly streamlined. It, it makes a big difference in terms of what the industry can do and, and how much it can get done. And had the election in 2016 gone the other way, we'd have had more and more regulation. So so there's no doubt his policies have made a big difference, and, and he should uh, take credit for it. Exactly. Hey, uh, your opinion. If we had had a president outside of Donald Trump... Democratic president, when the terrorists attacked Saudi Arabia's largest refinery, where would the United States have been in that position, do you think, if we were not energy well, dominant know, the way we are? Actually a really, that's a really valid question because, you know, one of the main planks of President Trump's campaign was to stop getting the United States militarily involved in, in every conflict that takes place in the Middle East and North Africa. And, and Hillary Clinton, uh, quite frankly, um, had a pretty pretty aggressive record when it comes to getting involved in those things. She was very, very proud of, of you know, the, the action the Obama administration took in Libya, which has turned a, a once prosperous country into a war-torn hellhole mm-hmm. yeah. last that decade was, now. Right. What a disaster. Yeah, and, and, and she was very aggressive uh, militarily. She was... Um, you know, a completely different candidate than President Trump. So I, I just think uh, things would have gone a lot differently. Frankly, we wouldn't be as energy secure as we are now. Right. Which, which is one of the main reasons why the president is able to avoid getting us involved in all those conflicts. So it'd have to be something pretty big to draw us into a war, an attack in the United States, something like that. And it's really, it should make us all feel a lot better to know that we're not having to do these endless, unnecessary wars because we are energy independent, which is one of the biggest things that we should understand is this has led to us not having to be so reactive, especially in the Middle East. Yep. Let's let's switch gears and stay on politics, but, not, but change gears just slightly. President Trump was acquitted from the impeachment trial this week. Yay! Hopefully we can get on <laughs> with business now. Uh, do you think the acquittal, though, has been important for the overall health of the energy sector? The USMCA just got signed, was also a factor in the energy sector. So how big do you think this is for the health of the energy sector for him to have been to- acquitted? Well, it, it, it's big. And just like you said, we can hopefully get back to business now. Uh, hopefully the Congress and, and the administration can focus on actually governing the country instead of this constant state of, of uproar and conflict that the Democrats have had us in for three years. Uh, I'm not real optimistic that the Democrats are going to allow that to happen because it's what they're running for in this election. But but had the president been acquitted, I mean, it, it's not an accident that the stock market is going crazy and that it was up 500 points on the day of the acquittal. Mm-hmm. And had the president it looked like he was going to be convicted, you know, the stock market might be down at 22000 right. now instead of 29000 
Right. Um, it, it just makes a huge. This is Trump's economy now, regardless of what Nancy Pelosi or anyone else says about it. This is Donald Trump's economy, and the markets know that. And while Mike Pence is a very capable guy, um, markets react uh, very badly to to any kind of upheaval in the government. And, and so uh, those markets impact what the oil industry can do in terms of, of getting financing for its projects. And, and so it, it was very important for the continuity of this boom that we're in. Excellent. The coronavirus, let's switch gears and talk about the outbreak. It was um, yeah. it actually cut crude oil by as much as 30 percent. So how is this going to impact the energy business? Because I thought, uh, well, first of all, do you think this is long term? But more importantly, I thought we were going to start seeing quite quickly the $50 billion execution of USMCA. And now that's kind of seems to be shelved for right now while we have this coronavirus going on. Yeah, we've we've had you know it's it's caused a real dip in crude prices. It's it's caused a very significant uh, reduction in China's crude oil demand, and, and China's a pretty large user of crude oil every day. And so, uh, anytime demand goes down, uh, that's bad for crude prices, and, and we've seen that happen. Uh, Citibank this week said they expect. Uh, the coronavirus outbreak to have negative impacts on China's economy through the third quarter of this year, maybe even into the fourth quarter. So, so all these things means uh, you know you're going to have less demand for crude oil, uh, less economic growth in China, and other countries that are being impacted by the virus. Uh, we did have good news late in the week, however, uh, towards uh, you know with optimism about the development of a of a vaccine for it, uh, which really also helped the markets improve uh, late in the week. So, you know, hopefully that vac- vaccine will come about. You have a lot of people dying. It's a lot more people than the Chinese government is willing to report. And that's very sad. And, and, and hopefully uh, all these health officials and agencies can get their arms around this very quickly. Uh, hopefully, uh, the Chinese will allow the United States to help as well. I think that we were able to react a lot differently and quicker. And I think a second set of eyes is always a, a wise thing on anything you're doing, especially if it's really important, like people's lives are on the line. So hopefully, they can get this you know, fixed and figured out quickly and contained. David, that is all the time we have. Thank you so much for uh, joining us this week. And I look forward to having you on next week as well. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Do you know what artificial intelligence can do for your operation? It's probably time to find out. With Aspen Tech Software, your business can harness the full power of AI to achieve new levels of performance. Aspen Tech's leading-edge solutions are a critical part of the world's largest oil and gas, chemical, and engineering companies. 
helping them improve safety, sustainability, reliability. Drawing on decades of industry experience, Aspen Tech is using AI, machine learning, and predictive analytics to help companies digitally optimize the design, operation, and maintenance of their facilities. Find out how Aspen Tech can help you win tomorrow with the technology of today. Learn more at www.aspentech.com forward slash AI. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210 210- 2407188 again 2102407188 Our guest today is Amy Cronus, Houston's managing partner for Deloitte LLP and we're also being joined in studio by Dwayne Dixon who's vice chairman US oil gas and chemical sector leader for Deloitte Consulting LLP. You guys have been with us before. Welcome back to our Houston studio and welcome back to having a discussion today on oil and gas and uh, what Deloitte is doing to monitor all the changes that are happening in the oil and gas industry. So welcome to the studio today. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Kim. Let's begin with Deloitte is is just this powerhouse of an expert kind of company. They have all these different divisions within it. Dwayne, you're in oil, gas, chemicals, more on the downstream part and in the consulting area. Amy, you're really going to focus more on tax, consulting. Either one of you want to give me a brief description of just Deloitte as a whole. It's a big company. We're a large global company. We have... uh I think Four, it's $46 billion now in, in revenues. $46 billion in revenues and wow. 280,000 employees. Yep. Um, when we look at uh, how we're organized, we've been organized for a while by industry and by sector within industry, and that's been a what we consider to be a, a, a great advantage because it keeps us very close to the issues in our client base and our clients, so our relationships okay. are good. The focus uh, of our businesses, if we really look at the business, we have the audit business, which, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we we were kind of founded on that basis and then uh, added over time because of uh, certified public accounting tax. Then we we added consulting and we also added uh, risk advisory services for finance and other risks like cyber and others. Right. And all those things evolve from really just helping our clients solve their problems. They they you know they really wanted our both our industry and technical skill expertise and so it was a natural fit uh, that keeps growing over time of being uh, the right people to help drive yep. value for them. And just like we'll talk a lot about change going on in uh, the energy space, right. there's a lot of change going on in our space too. Right. And I don't know mm-hmm. very many companies that, that don't kind of involved by their customer base. If you're doing something good, your customers trust you. They want you to go out and and bring in more that they can utilize because uh, finding really good businesses that are reputable are, are not the easiest thing to do and find, you know, this day and age. And I kind of understand that because we've seen Shell evolve into, you know, the oil patch and there's just a lot to do to help customers out there 
um, if you're doing something right. And I would say Deloitte definitely is, especially when it comes down into oil and gas. I want to jump into the topic because there's a lot going on. You know, we've had closeout year in oil and gas. President Trump got phase one of the China phase one deal done with tariffs at that had been affecting the companies for a long time, especially hard hitting the service companies, if you will, the Halliburtons and uh, the Schlumbergers. And now that phase one is done and we know that there was some, what is it, $50 billion was, was put into this phase one package from President Trump. I guess I want your opinion on the economic uh, headwinds that oil and gas are facing because now you have China who has a a global medical problem with this virus. And I'm just curious, Amy, we'll, we'll start with you. What is the oil and gas sector facing, in your opinion? Well, there, there's a lot going on. And no, there always <laughs> is with oil and gas. It never gets boring, that's for sure. That's right. So, you know, clearly the demand for both fuels and many chemical intermediaries are linked closely to global economic growth. So in our, in our base case scenario projects U.S. GDP growth slowing in 2020, driven by uncertainty from all kinds of things, including the trade war, lower corporate investment in, in the sector, as well as all these other unknown factors. As you just mentioned, there's every day there's something, whether it's the virus or, uh, you know, sociopolitical events, it, you know, it, as you said, we're living in a time of uncertainty. And, you know, and of, and of course, there's still some question whether there might be a recession. We don't know yet. But even absent a recession and if the economy keeps growing steadily, the impact on fuels and chemicals will likely be modest, we believe. And that's because commodity demand growth likely is likely to be slow in much of the developed world, including many uh, OECD countries like the United States. So and the, the bigger drivers will be in the developing world, including countries with China and India, like China and India. And uh, as you mentioned, there's a lot of headwinds, not to mention a lot of uncertainties. Uh, I'll just briefly talk about oil field service and then let uh, Dwayne talk about chemicals. And as you alluded to, oil field services are certainly down, but not out. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the landscape remains challenging, uh, but, you know, in that comes a lot of opportunity. So I'll just mention a few of the of the downward indicators that you mentioned. You know, oil prices have declined 45 percent since 2014. Uh, but the LFS market capabilities have also fallen by 50 to 90 percent, so more than the decline, uh, depending on the segment. So, and then despite the 2017-18 increase in oil prices and the boom in U.S. shale, you know, really only integrated and non-North American uh, focused LFS companies saw an increase in revenue, and for the most part, the uptick was modest. So, given that huge shale boom, you know, that that's kind of disappointing. Really, if you think about that, we thought it was the new the new boom days. Uh, revenues have fallen faster than costs, and compressing operating margins for many service providers. And the average margins fell from fifteen percent to less than five percent across the, the kind of the seventy OFS companies we we track uh, between twenty fourteen and twenty nineteen. So, but OFS players still have a chance to build a financial structure that enables profitable growth. Um, they they need structure that that we're increasing margins are key. Uh, if if those seventy companies could increase margins to twenty fourteen levels, which admittedly is a big challenge, mm-hmm. but within a doable range, they could collect, could we believe collectively earn an additional uh, twenty billion U.S. twenty billion each year, and potentially more than U.S. thirty billion per year across the entire LFS industry. Wow. 
So there, there's a lot of so upside. oil fill service companies, I hope you're hearing this podcast, get on the phone right now, call Deloitte, because <laughs> it, it is about knowledge and, and buckling down at this point. Yeah. But, but you are right. Like if you have a, a game plan, that's kind of what you need right now is something to help offset. And we do have a lot of partners that are the service companies. They are really the hardest hit right now. They really have. There's nowhere for them to push off their right. cost. Uh, unlike, you know, operators can kind of squeeze the service and downstream, you can pass it on to the consumer, not the oil fill services. So uh, it's a, you know, having good yeah. advice from a good company is absolutely necessary. It's more, yeah. of, are you going to sustain uh, and keep your business yeah. strong and growing forward? Or Dwayne, we're going to get ready for a break. When we come back, I want to hear your side because you're going to cover a little bit more from the chemical area as well. But we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest-growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? TEAK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash teak and click on the join link enter your information and we'll get you set up join the texas energy advocates coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today We're back. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Amy Cronus and Dwayne Dixon, both with Deloitte, different departments, but both experts at Deloitte Consulting and Deloitte LLP. Amy, before the break, you were kind of talking about service companies and um, keen ways that they can really, truly survive and, and make a profit, if you will, in a very tough market. I might have cut you off before break. Let's get finished off with what we were having the discussion with you on, and then we'll go to Dwayne sure. next. So, you know, although I said a lot of uh, really down or disappointing facts around what's going on with oil field services, we really think the sector should focus on making strategic structural changes. And there's five key levers that i just like to mention, mm-hmm. and those are improving performance portfolio strategy. Uh, com- their commercial approach and pricing is a huge opportunity area. Uh, operating models, uh, and integrated business planning. Um, and, and including in that is real digital solutions. Yep. So, you know, if companies aren't looking at those five areas, they should be. Right. Exactly. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, especially with digitalization going on in the whole entire industry. Right. Dwayne, let me bring you in on this conversation, too. What is your thoughts on the economic headwinds facing the oil and gas, and specifically in your niche, chemicals and specialty materials sector? We haven't really gotten into that sector yet. Yeah. Uh, so maybe I'll start with the, the downstream fuels and uh you know, I, I think we're kind of in that period of time where companies are, are looking at the fuels market and there's some uncertainty about the future demand and how it's going to play out. It'll probably create some volatility over time that we're going to have to get used to. And I think at some point you have to say, are we in a rebound period or a reset period uh, long term when it comes to, to fuels? But I, I think for a long period of time, we're gonna we're gonna continue to have internal combustion engines. We're gonna continue to see you know good growth, especially in in the developing world where where uh, internal combustion engine vehicles are very affordable. Mm-hmm. We're also gonna see um, 
These are the gas engines, just for our listeners. Yes, yes. we're going to see liquid natural gas and and other sources uh, become increasingly prominent in electricity and things like that. So I I do think the the outlook for the the downstream is is good. It's just we have to look over time at, at the fact that demand patterns are changing. Society is changing them. Uh, the presence of electric vehicles is changing them. Mm-hmm. Regulations will probably change them too. When we go to chemicals, chemicals is kind of an interesting story. I'm very optimistic actually about 2020 when we think about petrochemicals and the downstream chemicals and specialty materials. And, and normally that's because uh, we see the chemical industry move into a period of weakness or downturn a little bit earlier than the rest of industry. And now when we start to see evidence that there could be a recession or a, a downturn, we've, we also see evidence that chemical companies are kind of, a lot of them are on the rebound. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about the second half for sure of 2020. Oil and gas chemical companies, they should they be preparing, I'm assuming they probably are, for the energy transition. What is the energy transition they need to be focusing on doing? I, I would call the energy transition um, the movement of certain parts of society away from fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is uh, in- inevitable because there's innovation going on in electric vehicles and renewable energy sources and things like that. So uh, we are going to see it. We don't really have a good sense for what the demand is going to be and how fast uh, it's going to take share away from the fuels market. But the energy transition is getting ready for that. And a big driver there is sustainability and the fact that a lot of the citizens of the world right now care a lot about the environment and they care a lot about the safety of products that they use and so forth. So they're paying a lot more attention. That's helping drive the energy transition because that's helping drive the change. You say that there's still a lot of life left for gas engine vehicles, but there is an awareness for battery operated vehicles and transition more into what people believe to be greener technology. How far off is this? I think it's probably moving a little faster than we all realize, but I don't think it's going to, you know, overtake the world. I think we're going to see, I don't know, if if we think about vehicles, we're going to see 20 million vehicles in the next five years uh, electrified, either hybrids or electrified vehicles. And that's that's roughly 20% of the vehicles that there are. Whether that's five years from now, six years from now, three years from now, it's hard to hard to tell. But but they're coming. They're they're coming, and and there's interest, and in, and especially if we start to look at other countries, and cities, and what right. cities are starting to mandate. Right. That's that's a very right. important. And then I think the other thing we have to look at is things like uh, photovoltaic yields and and other things that are going on in the renewable space that might make those things more effective over time. Amy, when we come back, I want to talk to you about uh, the environmental challenges that are facing the energy industry. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Dwayne Dixon with Deloitte and Amy Cronus with Managing Partner for Deloitte. Before the break, Amy, I talked about the environmental challenges that the industry is facing. Can Let's get into that topic. Tell me, what do you think they're facing and how difficult is this challenge going to be? Sure. It's a huge challenge. So outside of questions of peak demand or the energy transition, oil, gas, and chemical companies, they're also working to address consumers, other environmental concerns. So we haven't talked about those. In particular, the plastics and packaging industry needs to address recycling of plastics waste. Uh, For example, many countries and U.S. states have recently announced phasing out of single-use plastics, bags, straws, and cups. And although that's a very, really a very tiny percentage, it's still a huge indicator of consumer demand and sentiment. Um, Consumer activism is, is really picked up. As, as we've all seen, forcing consumer product companies to form consortiums and join alliances to make their packaging environmental friendly. The chemical companies are going to, this is a new, going to be a new chapter for them in terms of trans, you know, transparency and commu- better communication uh, because they are investing literally, you know, multi-millions in research and development and they need to be on the forefront of communicating, uh, you know, the, try the advances that they're trying to make and, tr- and, and I think educating on some real facts on how expensive some of these alternatives still are, especially the ones that are still in their infancy stage from a technological, uh, you know, uh, reality perspective. You know, consumers are really, they want more transparent packaging, uh, industry information. They're looking for companies to disclose data pertaining to plastics production and plastic waste generated by their operations. So, you know, this is this is a, a change that's not going to go away, that real desire there. And so like the energy transition, sustainability push and chemicals are going to play out over the long term. But companies need to start acting today uh, to get the ball rolling as some of these changes are going to require significant research and investment, as I said, really proving out uh, reliable technology. Um, you know, and so it's not going to be an easy task, but it, uh, there's at least uh, four concrete steps where we're saying companies can take it to take in the near term. Uh, first, companies should identify low-hanging fruit for reducing greenhouse gas emissions like eliminating methane leaks from existing infrastructure. Uh, second, a few have deployed renewables to reduce emissions from field operations. More, more companies should be following suit on yes. this. Yeah. Um, thirdly, CO2-enhanced oil recovery could be an avenue to boost production while, sequest- you know, while sequestering carbon. It, it remains a niche industry today, but more companies should evaluate opportunities like that. And, and as Dwayne said, the technology is just going to keep advancing. Um, and so, and then lastly, I'd say fresh water use and wastewater disposal continue to challenge shale producers. So more should invest in the infrastructure to sustain operations, uh, not just in 2020, but for years ahead. You know, more, more, some more longer range thinking around that. So that seems like very practical, simple steps when you consider the flip side, when you get really these environmental individuals after your company and then you're doing more with damage control and trying to manage a crisis. So good point, Amy. Dwayne, let's switch gears and talk a little bit about chemicals. The chemical companies are facing oversupply and are they facing oversupply and pricing in 2020, in your opinion? What are they looking at? Well, there, there are some uh, parts of the business and olefins, especially uh, and, and aromatics where where there is some oversupply and that's a natural progression a natural cycle and and the industry's done a pretty good job of of deploying what it should and maybe pulling back on some of the investments uh, as as it became clear that there was going to be excess capacity but you know for a for a period of time both in plastics and in in ethane or excuse me ethylene it's going to uh, it's going to be oversupplied it'll take a couple of years to work it off in some cases for some of the 
aromatics and so forth that could take uh, longer than that. But these are natural cycles that we go through. Uh, what's the outlook for oil supply security for 2020? I mean, you know, you got cybersecurity, you got all kinds of things they're dealing with. It, it, it seems like a lot to keep up with this day and age. That's we live in a very question. complicated world. <laughs> That's it's a, a recurring thing. <laughs> it's yes. a great question, but I, I would say uh, if we compare it to the last several years, oil, you know, energy securities is probably a little stronger in a lot of places in the world than it has been. That's wonderful to hear. Yeah, because uh, when, when Eagle Ford first started in, in the Shell place, this was a very new game and not everybody was as aware of, of how important it was for terroristic acts and things like that to really make sure you had everything well, China buttoned up. In, in, in the Belt and Road Initiative and, and, and other initiatives they have is really trying to be as secure as they can possibly. The U.S. has made big strides, so... I'd say the picture's better. Obviously, there are hot spots in the world and mm-hmm. issues, but uh, for the most part, a lot of these shocks will be able to be handled regionally. Yeah, it, it was. Think about it. It was really impressive that you know the mid-September 2019 attack on the critical facilities in Saudi Arabia. Right. That largest in the. It resulted in this largest single supply disruption since the Gulf War. But think about how quickly they came back online. Right. Yeah, and everybody was kind of thinking, go fill up your gas tanks, and we didn't really right. see that either. So yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing the time we're living in. Strategic reserves were, uh, I, I think, uh, in really good shape when that happened, too. We're going to get ready for break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about LNG. We had a CEO of a Port of Corpus Christi on, Sean Strawbridge. Those numbers that are coming out of that port are phenomenal how fast they have grown, 2018 to 2019. A lot of this is LNG, so I want to get back on that topic when we come back from break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. I'm Tracy Bentley, the CEO President of the Permian Strategic Partnership, an alliance of 19 energy companies located in West Texas and Southeast New Mexico. For the first time in history, our companies have come together with one goal in mind, supporting our community. In 2019, our first full year of existence, we committed more than $30 million to support six major initiatives, built partnerships with dozens of community stakeholders, and helped secure an additional $1 billion in state and federal funding for roadway improvements in the Permian Basin. By partnering with local leaders, we will continue to work hard to make roads safer, improve schools, upgrade health care, increase affordable housing, and train the next generation of workers. Because we don't just work here, we live here, and neighbors are supposed to help each other out. For more information, go to Permian. Partnership.org. Do you know what artificial intelligence can do for your operation? It's probably time to find out. With Aspen Tech Software, your business can harness the full power of AI to achieve new levels of performance. Aspen Tech's leading edge solutions are a critical part of the world's largest oil and gas, chemical, and engineering companies, helping them improve safety, sustainability, reliability. Drawing on decades of industry experience, Aspen Tech is using AI, machine learning, and predictive analytics to help companies digitally optimize the design, operation, and maintenance of their facilities. Find out how Aspen Tech can help you win tomorrow with the technology of today. 
Learn more at www.aspentech.com forward slash AI. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Amy Cronus and Dwayne Dixon, both with Deloitte and Deloitte Consulting, LLP. Before the break, we were talking a lot about the future of oil and gas, chemicals, and so mid, downstream. Let's talk a little bit about LNG and what is the outlook, U.S. LNG, also the global market outlook on this? Because there was a lot of discussion that went into phase one of the China trade agreement that involved LNG. So, uh, which, uh, Amy, do you want to take a sure. LNG question? Sure. Yeah. You know, it, you know, the outlook is exciting, uh, but similarly, there are headwinds. Um, it's going to be really tough to get things sanctioned going forward. And so, and I'll just touch on a couple of reasons why. Right. Because I've not heard that. So that's very interesting. So, so, you know, production continues to set records, um, not to get too, you know, number focused, but natural gas production hitting, you know, record 95 billion cubic feet per day by the end of 2019 was, you know, record setting. Uh, at the same time, Henry Hub prices have been below 3 mil- million BTU since last January, and they're expected to remain low. Um, so this has been a boon for the domestic com- domestic economy, uh, petrochemical companies and LNG exporters particularly. You know, a real renaissance in exporting out of the United States. And as U.S. Uh, LNG exports have ramped up, now almost six uh, BCFDs, we are seeing global gas prices weaken. Mm-hmm. And so that, that creates this, you know, with the European spot gas price is now around 5 million following a strong 2018. There's a, so that indicates a fair amount of slack in the markets with ample liquefaction capacity to meet near-term demand. Um, so we've, you've got several LNG export projects in the U.S. and elsewhere looking to be sanctioned in 2020, and that could be a challenge. Um, their, their value proposition historically has been based on three things which now we, th- we think has some, ch- you know, we're seeing some change in that. And those three things are, first, access to a highly liquid and interconnected low-priced natural gas market. Uh, second, contracts with flexible destinations and multiple pricing mechanisms. And third, lower, less volatile delivered costs than many competing oil index projects. So that's the big change. That's likely to change for the second wave of U.S. LNG. And so that could, that could be challenging for U.S. developers. Is there, what that means, Kim, is that the contract terms are no longer as differentiated as they once were. So you've got competitors willing to drive flexibility in a buyer's market. Very interesting. Yeah. So then add in you know, low tariffs or you know, tariffs and low oil prices and U.S. cargo pricing just isn't as attractive as it once was. But having said all that, it hasn't stopped the market. I yeah. Mean, there's... All in all, the, the LNG market is going to continue to grow. Well, it, it could very well be that it's just supply needing to uh, be absorbed by demand because certainly we've seen uh, 
a fantastic change in in places like uh, Beijing and right. uh, you know the the LNG based electricity there instead of coal has really made a profound impact. So I, I think demand will continue as well. Right. So even though the gas markets are soft today, they they could tighten in the next few years. Yeah, and you know no, nothing is ever just completely imbalanced <laughs> from the start. Right. Well, as we said, lots of external factors. Can oh, yes, nothing those. ever stays the yeah. same. Let's uh, talk about uh, focusing on efficiencies for chemical companies. Um, that's the name of the game right now is efficiency. Should oil and gas companies be following suit? I would imagine most definitely, especially in maybe uh, digitalization, technology investment, things like that. I think everywhere we go, people are looking at efficiencies. Uh, regardless of... There's no more fat left on the bone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're the chemical companies for sure, and and definitely a lot of oil and gas companies are looking for uh, step changes and new ways to get after it, and digital's a big one that Amy mentioned earlier. Amy, what do you think? Are oil and gas companies, are they doing enough to stay in, in the area of, on the forefront of digitalization and, and of course, efficiencies? And, and then also the other thing is, so these large companies, they have their own internal departments that are focusing on this. Somehow or another, I also kind of think that third-party discussions do tend to kind of reassure the CEO, their board, their staff, you're on the right path because this third-party company, consultant company or something, either echoed what they were saying, you're on the right path, or, hey, did you think about this? Second sets of eyes are so crucial because you really can't afford to be wrong anymore. There's just not enough fat on the bone, if you will, to, to, to be wrong in a lot of these companies. Are they doing enough? Are there certain areas you're concerned that they're not doing enough in? Yeah, I think boards and investors are going to watch closely, very, very closely. They make sure companies are doubling down on not just capital discipline, but also capital stewardship over the next few years. Um, especially as productivity is slowing down in the shale plays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say outperformance will be key. And I think I think they're especially <coughs> watching how shale operators improve their capital efficiency uh, through optimal completion designs. Um, that mm-hmm. there's, there's still a high percentage that can be enhanced in key basics. Um, there, you know, there's also likely going to be a lot of attention to how associated subsectors, primarily oil field services and infrastructure providers, can help operators bring in more efficiencies and save costs without compromising the, the margins or uh, sustainability. Well, one thing is for sure, it is definitely a time of change, a time of uncertainty. Before we close out the show, we did talk about what was going on in China, and uh, hopefully it doesn't affect the energy sector too much and probably other areas as well. I want to give you guys an opportunity to close on potentially if there is something that you guys think that uh, we should be watching when it comes down to this situation with them and uh, energy. I'll start. I'll just say that uh, we are in a fragile situation in terms of oil and gas globally, and we are in a fragile recovery period for chemicals. So any disruption in the largest growing market in the world, uh, China locally, is is a difficult issue. And and if it extends beyond China, it, it, it could be disruptive. Yeah. How how, how worried do you think they are? I'm I'm, I'm assuming they're watching it. Their response has been very encouraging. I mean, they they obviously from SARS and other things learned a lot because they've they've really they've really addressed it. Don't know it's a proportional response or 
not. We don't know know that yet, but uh, it's certainly uh, being addressed very seriously. Well, Amy, Dwayne, I'd like to thank you guys for coming back uh, and joining us and, and visiting with us here in the oil patch. It's always amazing how much I learn from having you guys uh, in studio and just you all have the, your your finger on the pulse of it seems like just everything that's so necessary. It's good to have you come in and, and help me to understand what's going on. It's a, it's just an ever-changing uh, place, and it's really hard to find useful information and get it all done in 45 minutes to an hour show. So thank you guys for both coming in and joining us today. It's a pleasure. Great. It's a very Great. exciting time. Yeah, thank you for having us. We, we This industry has a huge opportunity and a responsibility to lead the uh, global energy transition. So. I couldn't agree with you more. It's good to hear you uh, before we close talk about how um, you guys are really focusing on such an important topic, climate, and helping them, uh, these industries, move towards. Uh, we've got to learn how to do things a little bit greener, maybe. Uh, we can all probably do more recycling. We can all probably do our fair share to do a little bit more to help uh, the environment plant a tree. I think that some of the yep. stuff that President Trump was talking about was planting trees. We can all do it just a little bit more, and it's good to see we got some good guidance out there. Thank you, guys. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.